And teens really do want to share their thoughts. We just need to give them that platform. And I think a lot of times we forget to listen. And I think that's the biggest key is listen and food. Those are the two. Right. Those would be my two big suggestions. Welcome to the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we talk about life and leadership with teens and their parents. I'm your host, Rachel. So glad to be with you here today. We have a couple of new podcast reviews, and I wanted to read one of them. It says, wonderfully put together, engaging topics with real-world implications for teens and their parents, all coming from an authentic family. Thanks so much for that review. We love it when you guys give us feedback. Uh, Leave me a review, and maybe I'll read it on the show. So today we are going to be talking about communicating with your teen, and our special guest is Melanie Studer. Melanie is a wife, mom, educator, speaker, and parenting mentor. She is the mom of three great kids in their teens and early 20s. She's a teacher of preschool, elementary, and now middle school. So that that right there speaks volumes <laughs> to me. Uh, you can say that she's seen it all. At her website, Parenting High Schooler, she shares ideas for parents of teens, mom self-care, resource insights, and inspiration for you as you travel this road called life. She's also written a book called College Bound, The Ultimate List of Conversations to Help Your Teen Through High School. It's a book about how to have conversations with your teen and get them involved in the topics that you need to discuss with them as they're preparing for college. And we're going to be chatting with her and talking about her book today. Thank you for joining us, Melanie. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, some people would say that we're, we're competition to each other, but I don't really see it that way. Uh, I don't think you do either. No. Oh my gosh. Parents of teenagers need to band together and hold hands and hit their knees immediately. Yes. We need all the help we can get. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. We are not competition at all. No, every stage of parenting has its challenges. I feel like, and and every time when you start going through that stage, you kind of feel like you're a fish out of water and you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Uh, And like our first kid, our first kid, I, <laughs> we made so many mistakes. We we call our first kid uh, our experimental model. Yes, I call my boys my guinea pigs. So uh, <laughs> yeah, in fact, the dedication in my book is thank you for letting, for being our guinea pigs because, you know, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And I think parents of teens a lot of times don't even know what questions to ask. They know the things that are going to come, driving, dating, blah, blah. But until you're actually in the middle of it all, and then you're like in a crisis, then you start looking for, I think you think, oh, I got this in, you know, I, I've got this in the bag. I know what I'm doing. But really, you don't. There's so much right. more to parenting a teen than I think really almost any, maybe the baby stage is, is maybe harder because it's just so new. But after that, this these teenagers are, they're a challenge. I mean, I love yeah. them, but they are a challenge. And a lot of times we feel like everybody else has it all figured out and we're embarrassed to ask. Yeah. I know. I don't have it all figured out. <laughs> oh my goodness. No. And I'm on my third teenager. We've got two in their twenties now and they're all three completely different. So right. um, yeah, it's, they've all been wonderful in their own ways, but they've also all been challenging in their own ways as well. Right. So we understand, Melly and I understand where you guys are at. <laughs> And we just need to help each other. So if there's anything we can do to help you avoid the tough spots or do it better than we did, I am all for it. 
Right. Yes. Um, I was thinking as I was planning for this podcast that I have had a teenager for the past 10 years and I have another 12 years to go. I'm like, oh my. And I still don't know what I'm doing sometimes. Right. I Yeah. My oldest is t- going to be 24 in a few weeks and my youngest is 16. So I'm sort of in the same boat. We've had a teen in the house for, I it's in one of my blog posts for many, many years. And I've got a few more to go, but maybe just four to four now, but seems like, you know, those years are, it's kind of like dog years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you have a teen, they're wonderful. But in the moment, sometimes it seems like, oh, you know, yeah. are, are we going to, that's why we need each other. Yes. It goes really slow. But then when you look back, it goes really fast. It, too. It's it so really does. Yes. All these parents of seniors this year, I've seen all these posts on Facebook and blog posts. And I, you know, yeah, it's all the feels it's. Yeah. We have our first girl graduating next week. And (gasps) this one's been harder on me than the last one. I don't know why. I have a harder time with my second one because you know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. The first time you're like, you're kind of enjoying the moment. You're still really sad, but you're also like, it's everything's new and it's wonderful. And you know, but then the second time, I almost feel like you almost dread it because you know how sad you're going to be and that how much things change. And um, and, it, and it's all good, you know, but it, it's different. It's every stage, like you said, is very different. So tell us your story. How did you get started? Did, did you start just blogging or what was your journey? Sure. Um, so yeah, I started blogging, uh, with a friend who had moved away to, to actually to Florida where you are. Um, she's in Gainesville and it was a way for us to sort of stay in touch and have something purposeful and have an excuse to talk almost every day. And we had a really good time for a couple of years. And then she had some family things come up and we are still really good friends, but she sort of bowed out and, uh, that was in the spring of 2019, right about the time that I that I published my book. I self-published it, um, and that was on my own. Uh, and it came from some of the things from the blog and just other research and just knowing that as a parent of a teen, when I first had a teen, my book was born out of frustration. Like, okay, so I know I can find out different things from different people, but I wanted sort of a chart or a, I don't know, I wanted, I wanted somebody to tell me, this is what you need to talk to your kid before they leave your house. And I couldn't find that. So that's what I wrote was, and of course, there's only 14 conversations in my book, and there are a million that you need to have. But I boiled it down to the ones that I felt like were at least a good springboard to more conversation. But yeah, so when Anne left my blog in 2019, I sort of took the next year to sort of decide was this really what I wanted to do? And I, and it was, it was really, uh, I know this sounds weird, but like teenagers are sort of my passion. And then I started teaching middle school. I went back into the classroom and it all just sort of came together. And I just thought, yeah, I have a message. I, I really want to help parents that are just, especially the connections. I think our teens start to pull away, which is totally natural, but I also wanted to encourage parents to not let that be the end of a really cool relationship that you could have with your teen that you need to keep talking and it's going to look different. Um, and it's going to take a little work on your part. And especially if they've 
already pulled away so far away from you that you're going to have to sort of work to get that connection back. But it is possible. And, and I really just, my mission is just to help parents reconnect or stay connected if that hasn't happened yet to their teen, because we can have so much influence on them and they do not know how much they need us at all. Right. And they do. What do you do if someone doesn't have that, like their kid is already pulled away? What would you say to them? Well, so I just, um, I've just developed a course actually on reset. It's called reset your relationship. And there's so many baby steps that you can take to get to start sort of rekindle that, you know, you talk about dating your husband or your wife. Um, it's kind of like dating your teen. You have to sort of start reaching out. Now there is a point at which that I do think that you may need extra help. Um, if there's, if there's a lot of volatility, if there's any sort of physicalness, that kind of thing, I think you need outside help. But with that being said, I think there's a lot that parents can do to turn this relationship back around. You have to lower your expectations. You have to take baby steps. I always suggest food. Um <laughs> And, you know, and be per persistent, you know, schedule small, short, even five minute conversations, because there are things that whether your teen wants to hear from you or not, that you need to talk to them about before they leave your house. So, right. you know, things like budgeting or just making that exit plan, you know, even if it's four years from now, you still need to be talking about how's that going to look? What are they thinking? The, the thing I like. Uh, one of the things I like about your book, you talk about scheduling it in because mm -hmm. um, what gets scheduled gets done, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like dates with your spouse. Like if you yes. don't ever plan them, like we have to put them in the book or we don't do them because we just get so busy. Right. Right. And I, and I do. I think you there they need to be scheduled intentional conversations where... And in the beginning, if you've drifted apart, if they've really pulled away from you, and that is natural, you know, that they do need more independence. They need their solitude. But on the other hand, there are things that we need to impart upon them. We need to share our, they may not think it's wisdom, but we do know, you know, my oldest son was oh so smart. And I finally <laughs> one night said, okay. You may be smarter than me, but I am older and I am wiser than you. And there are some things that your dad and I do know or have experienced that we would like to share with you. And so, you know, those sound bites um, over time, you know, we started out scheduling these what we called meetings um, individually with each kid um, around grades, which was about every six weeks. But I think when you schedule even if it's five or 10 minutes in the beginning to say, okay, tonight we're going to talk about like, what are you thinking? Do you want to go to college? Do you have thoughts about where you'd like to go to college? And just at, set a timer so that your child knows, okay, they really do mean it's only going to be 10 minutes. And I think when they feel that control, they start to trust you. And that's another thing. Teens don't trust their parents because they've been so bossy and telling them how it is and not listening. I think those are the pieces that we as parents need to readjust our thinking and back off and do more listening than talking and asking, you know, purposeful questions, but not questioning them to death. There's like this fine line. You're like on a tightrope. You have to kind of 
stick to that short time and, and not question them to death. You just, I think if you let them talk, which is hard for me, listen to me, I'm blabbing my head off, but you have to really stop yourself, literally bite your tongue and ask one question and let them talk. Right. Yeah. My, my kids and I, we, we have pretty good communication, the girls, especially, uh, which I'm thankful for. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I wanted to, I really, really wanted to have a good relationship with them and I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, so mostly I just tried to be intentional and knock on their door at night and sit on their bed. And I've had to learn, don't always give advice. Sometimes mm -hmm. they just want you to hear. <laughs> the other day she came to me about something and she was all frantic and I'm like trying to solve it for her. And then, and then I'm like, oh, wait. So I said, um, are, are you wanting advice or do you want me to just listen? And she's like, I just want you to listen to me. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so that's taken me a long time to learn that sometimes they just want to vent and not for you to fix the problem. Cause I think as parents, we want to help them and we want to fix right. their problems. Well, that's natural. Cause we're, we're moms and we're dads. Um, I love your, you saying that you at night, because that was one thing that really worked for us is if your kid doesn't feel like you're looking at them, which that they're, you know, super paranoid. I don't know. Teenagers are so funny, but if you were like at night with the lights out, nobody has to look at each other. And, you know, questions can kind of drift in and drift out and, you know, you can lower the, you know, it just, it's more relaxed. That's a great tip, you know, for parents is just go in just to say goodnight. And, you know, my kids still laugh. They're like, you, you coming to tuck me in? And, you know, I'm like, well, yeah, maybe. And then, you know, as, you know, I'm like, let me know when you're going to turn your lights out and either my husband or I'll wander in there later and just, you know, their phones aren't allowed to be in their rooms, which is, I, that's another tip I would say for parents of younger teens. Don't let that start. It's that's craziness. Um, nothing right. good's going to happen after midnight on a teenager's cell phone, but that's a whole nother conversation. But talking at night in the dark is a really great way to connect with your teen. Yeah. I think another good tip I've heard is, car rides if, yes. if you have trouble talking face to face go take a car ride so nobody's looking at each other you're looking straight ahead and just let right them talk. I will say my mom brought up a very uncomfortable subject when I was I had a pretty serious boyfriend in high school and she started you know having the sex talk with me and I'm like mom I could have died I was like I just wanted to get out of the car so you know pick <laughs> <laughs> choose your subjects wisely because I could have just about died and then I wouldn't even talk to her I'm like oh are you kidding me uh yeah so choose your topics carefully even especially when you're in an enclosed space like that and your kid can't get away from you because uh I mean I'm sure she thought well this is the perfect time but I did not think so yeah sometimes as parents we when we want to talk about something we feel like we have got to do it right then, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah, sometimes you do, you know, but for these scheduled intentional conversations, my advice is to choose topics that aren't those kind of touchy subjects. Choose one that like even to let your teen know, hey, I'd really like to talk to you about, you know, your college plans. Can we talk about that for 10 minutes on Sunday or whatever? Um, right. let them know ahead of time so they can be thinking about it. And that's, you know, that's a teacher trick, you know, let your kids know what you're going to be doing the next day 
so they're they you know and i'm Don't you spring know, it course, on them. right i'm living in this dream world that my kids would actually think about school outside of school but um you know all that prep work that you can do you did it when your kids were little hey you know what tomorrow you're going to go to the dentist so we need to think about you know, let me talk you through what that's going to look like because you've never been to the dentist. So there are things that they're not going to know that, and they probably have questions. Like, I'm not sure what I want to do. That's okay. They need to know that's okay. They're not supposed to have things figured out when you're 15. Right. Sometimes we forget what they don't know. Exactly. And that they know a lot less than they think they do. So, right. and surprisingly they know a lot more than you think they know as well it's kind of a two-way street there <laughs> that's true yeah so when you first started out like did you just say okay we're going to do a meeting every six or eight weeks um about grades and then it morphed into something mm -hmm. else or it did so, so you so it was mostly were, grades at the beginning yes at the beginning it was grades and like maybe you know what sports were coming up or you know sort of general things and we sort of you know we always still did that but like when our oldest son got into middle school um their grading system was different and we sort of drifted away we're like oh he knows what he's doing and we felt like we knew what we were doing ha that was a big joke so I don't know. It was about halfway into his sixth grade year, which is middle school here. And all of a sudden we realized, I mean, he was floundering school wise. We were floundering parent wise. He was pulling away from us and we started, my husband and I just started thinking, okay, what well, this is not working. So what can we do? So we went back to those conversations eight more regularly than every six weeks. I think we started doing it like, um, for sure every month. I can't even remember now what how we did it. But um and we started just asking him, so what what are you liking? What are you not liking? What is working? And he was he had just completely freaked out when he got to middle school. We hadn't prepared him for changing classes. I mean, he sort of knew that because, you know, they kids talk, but how that was actually going to look was so different than anything he had experienced and he was just overwhelmed by the change. So we drifted back into the conversations and he actually, our oldest is a lot more verbal than our other two. He just likes to talk and he's a writer. So I was like, write down some things that you're concerned or worried about or that you want to talk to us about and we'll do the same. So we sort of had more of a meeting of the minds, just sort of these were his concerns or his worries and things he was scared uh, about, and we didn't ever like address it head on. Like it was just sort of, we let him bring him to us. He sort of interviewed us actually. That's how it worked with him. He would have his notebook and we would have ours. And, um, that was another thing. We didn't start out having notebooks, but I realized over time that like maybe something we had asked him to do when he was starting to think about careers, we would meet the next time and he would not have done anything and I would never written it down. And so I'm like, I know we talked about this. So it was sort of a way for us to keep track of who was supposed to do what was anyone supposed to make a phone call? Was he supposed to, you know, get online or apply for a scholarship or whatever the case was. So I highly recommend having some sort of note taking, um, 
strategy so that there aren't wasted times having arguments about things that you know you've talked about. <laughs> that you, the right. mom and the dad, remember that, you know, Sunny Boy does not remember or your daughter. Um, that's a good, and that that's helped. a good point. Yeah. Because then if you have other kids, you can use that notebook and, re- yes. and see. These are topics we might want to talk about. Right. And we would add topics to the back of it that we would think of like in our own conversation. We were go, oh, wait, we probably should talk to Sam about that. So we'd add it to the back. And then, you know, some conversations are ever green. You're going to talk about a lot, like a budget or the finances for how they're going to get to college. I mean, for us, that was a big thing because we, my husband had so many student loans that we didn't have enough saved up for our kids to go. So we had to, it was sort of became a team effort, like, okay, these, this is what we need you to do grade wise and activity wise and scholarship wise. And then here's what we can do. So that was a conversation that we had repeatedly because in his mind, he was going somewhere uber fancy and awesome. And, and he ended up going to a really great place, but it cost a lot less and it was affordable. So. Yeah. I think a lot of, we, we have those conversations here, but I, I realize that a lot of parents don't have these conversations and then they have a kid going to college and they don't discuss with them how it's going to be paid for and whether they need to get a job and come up with some of the money. And then they get their senior in high school and all of a sudden the parent says, we're not going to help you. That that's yeah. really not fair to the kid. It's yeah. not. And that, that is a huge surprise. conversation that needs to be yeah. had and early. Yeah. That's not a good surprise for anybody. And it is embarrassing. I think a lot of people right. don't like to talk about money with their spouses, let alone their children. Um, but yeah. honestly, I mean, we both, my husband and I were on the same page. We felt like we owed it to our kids to help them as much as possible to avoid student loan debt because he, my husband had no undergrad debt, but then he went to um, optometry school, which was basically, you know, med school for the eyes, which was a four, six years of, you know, massive amounts of debt. And so we really wanted the kids to know, you know, you don't want this. It's not fun. Yeah. A lot of kids, I mean, they need that student loan talk because they're signing up for stuff. They have no idea what they're signing up for. Um, in your book, you said the average time to pay back a four-year degree is 20 years. That is crazy to me. Yes. I can't imagine. Yes. It's like a car payment or, or more, or more for 20 years. Well, yeah. our my husband's student loan payment was more than our house payment for like the first 11 years. And then yeah. it finally went the other way. But that's a lot when you're, you know, bringing up kids and trying to have a life. It's... And, and a like, lot of them go to college and they really didn't think through what they were going for. So they might not even like what they came out with, the degree <laughs> they came out with. Well, that's the thing stuck. too. Right. So that those are conversations, you know, what do you want your career to be? Help them find people that are in that career. And those are conversations that are can be really fun and enlightening. And you might not even know what your child is thinking they want to do. And that's that's the fun part of these is that you will learn so much if you're willing to not just, I know a lot of, you know, parents are like, well, you will go to this school and you will do this. And I think, you know, I guess there's a place for that, but we really wanted our kids to somewhat go where they wanted within reason and have their, make their own choices. But we also wanted it to be a career or a, I guess a major where they could have a career that was, 
marketable, you know, that they would be able to get a job in. And so we really did a lot of, um, I, I don't know what you call it, parenting, counseling, advising towards that end in mind. So we got one out so far successfully. <laughs> so what do you do when they don't want to talk? That's a, you know, that's a tough one. So there are going to be times where they're not going to want to talk or that you guys are in a fight. You know, I mean, that's, that's real world. Um, my suggestion is say, okay, let's not talk today because obviously I'm in a bad mood or you are, or whatever the case is. Reschedule. Don't let it not happen. Um, you know, there are going to be bad days and bad times, but you cannot let that stay just because of one bad experience. And you might have a conversation and it ends up being awful. So I really highly advise really trying hard. And, and that's hard for me is modeling the best type of behavior that you can and just say, you know what? I feel like we're not getting anywhere here. So what if we table this conversation for a couple of hours, if you know you have time later? Or what it, what is your Thursday night look like? I mean, don't let it get away from you because things aren't going well, whatever that might look like. And it's really hard. I don't like admitting that it's my fault that we're not getting along, but a lot of times it's as much my fault as my kids. And I think they need to see and hear us admit that, you know, okay, things aren't going well, but that doesn't mean we have to be in a fight forever or, and believe me, I mean, I, I, I'm the queen of, of a bad tone or, you know, and I'm kind of, I have to admit a yeller, but I always try to apologize immediately and admit that I'm wrong, which, you know, that's hard to do, but. I feel like if I can model that to them, then they're going to be so much more apt to have better relationships in the future with their, their spouses or, you know, us in the future. It's not easy. And I don't like doing it. I don't like admitting I'm wrong. But um, I always say, if you cannot have a good conversation right now, then schedule a time when you are going to try again. That would right. be my best advice. I mean, it's just going to happen. Yeah. I think you, I mean, do you, you have, have any to kind of like that? plan for the best, but expect the worst. Yeah. Like, like don't go in expecting that they're going to be like, oh, mother, I'm so glad you decided that we should have this meeting. I want right. to tell no, you all my thoughts. Ever you know? <laughs> yeah. You got to um, kind of expect they're going to be teenagery. A hundred percent. And and that's okay, because if you think about it, we were teenagery, and their brains aren't fully connected until like their mid-20s, and yes. so maybe sometimes even later, and we have to meet them where they are, and that's hard to remember, too, because you're like, in so many ways, they can seem like they've got it all together, and they're doing so great, and they're, they seem so mature in, in a lot of your conversations, but then when it's something important, I like, I know myself, if I, something's really important to me, I get emotional. Like I'll get teary or choked up, even if it's not anything sad. So if I am an adult and I have that, then I think so much more our kids are doing that. Even the boy, I mean, my boys are just as passionate and dramatic as, I mean, I've got seven, seven, six, 
I would have to count. Isn't that terrible? Uh, I have a bunch of nieces and I've seen, you know, their drama. So you just have to remember their brains aren't fully connected. That's, that's the other thing. Like right. in my classroom, I have to tell myself all the time. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I need to count to 20 because <laughs> this isn't going well. And, you know, especially middle school, they're very emotional, very emotional. And, you know, try to, you know, I use sarcasm a lot because they are old enough to get it. And they've sort of learned that I'm kind of snarky and, and that works well in the classroom. Now, it may not work as well with your own teen, but try to find a way to kind of break, you know, break the the moment to um, make a joke or you guys will have your inside jokes. Every kid is different and try to lighten the moment because it it's going to get heavy. That's going to get ugly sometimes. And, um, and again, I am not, I am so far from being a perfect parent. And so is my husband and our kids are so far from being perfect. It's scary. But the thing is we keep trying and that's what, that's the whole key to bringing up a teen is you just have to keep trying. If something doesn't work this time, then try something different. Right. Uh, Another good tip you gave was don't try to have a meeting like when you have to go somewhere afterwards, don't, yeah. don't try and shove this meeting in, in between one meeting and another. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause Just, you don't know what direction it's going to go. You don't, and you don't want to be rushed. Right. And again, even if it's just only going to be a 10 or 15 minute meeting, you don't know, like we always set the timer, you know, especially in the beginning when we had to reconnect with our oldest. Now, eventually that kind of went by the wayside. And with the other two boys, there would be times if they'd say, can it only be for 15 minutes? You know, and you know what? You need to honor that as much as possible. But at that, when that timer goes off, or as you see that the time is coming to the end, you might say, you know, for this time, I think we're probably okay being done if you're done, unless you have something else to bring up. But something that we really want to talk about soon is whatever X, Y, Z. And, but we may, would it, would you be all right? I think either maybe, you know, two 15 minute sessions in an afternoon, or could we try to meet for 30 minutes to an hour? Because this is a bigger topic. And if you've set the parameters and they know to trust you that it is going to end when you say it's going to end, then you're probably going to have a lot more success because Again, they they need to feel like they're in control of some of it. Right. Do you have any any other rules for your meetings? We don't. Mm, do we have rules for our meetings? We need to, to. We try to be really respectful of. They need to be respectful of us, and vice versa. You know, same goes for us. Um. And yeah, we try not to have anything planned for after. Now, obviously, there's going to always be exceptions to everything. Um, right. And the best laid plans often go awry. But um, no phones, you know, nobody can have any sort of device. The TV's off. You know, we, we try to meet. When they were little, it was always in our room just because that was kind of our fortress you know they they would come in and we it would be their special time with us but as they became teenagers we sort of met more in a neutral place like the family room or there's we have a room in the basement that's real comfy and just somewhere where they're the most comfortable and um I and again I go I would say a rule is have food like what is their favorite snack (laughs) that's always going to help any conversation go better girl or boy 
Do you, do you ever like go to a restaurant or was it always at home? Yeah. Yeah, no, we've, we've done that. Um, and I think the one rule though is like you can have family meetings, but when you have these scheduled intentional conversations, it's one on or, you know, two on one or one on one, the parent with kids. And there are some conversations and I can't tell you any right now. I'm trying to think where like I know my husband will be have a better approach when it comes to uh, and again I'm drawing a complete blank but I like I might have him broach the topic with like one of the boys and sort of lay the groundwork for a conversation that we all need to have just because he's you know like he's got a better approach about like finances and stuff you know it's just his that's where his head is whereas I'm more sort of emotional and if it's more about you know being sensitive or dating or you know there's so we can always have an ongoing conversation even between the scheduled ones where you can kind of break it apart and each parent can play their you know their part that's not really a rule but I think it's helpful that you can kind of know what the other and oh here's a rule always be on or you can't always be on the same page as your spouse, but at least have talked about some of this stuff first because you don't want to, your ki- teens can sense <laughs> division in a heartbeat and they will use that to their advantage every time. Do you find that in your house? I was going to say, uh, before you said that, I was like, they can sense weakness. Yes. <laughs> They're like wild animals, 100%. <laughs> Yes. And they will pounce because, you know, the minute they know dad doesn't really care, then the minute they get away from me, they're going to go, dad, dad, let's whatever, you know, and, and same, same goes. They'll come to me if they sense that I'm weak about something. And so you have to agree to disagree on certain things. Like, and I might even say that, like, I don't agree with your dad right now, but he feels passionately and strongly about this. So I'm going to be I'm going to be on his side. So don't, you know, so they've sort of learned like, shoot, they're together on this, like for real. <laughs> and we learned yeah. that the hard way, a hundred percent. You know, there would be times where we would have, they could totally tell we did not agree. Um, and yeah. I think and, that's true for any parenting. Yeah. Anytime you're that's correcting a, tough a kid. Yeah. You have to agree. Mm-hmm. So what was the hardest topic that you've ever had to to discuss with your boys probably the fact that we did not have enough money to send them to the college of their dreams especially with our oldest son who really had some big dreams um we told him he could go wherever he wanted but that this was how much we had to to pay because he had two younger brothers behind him and we felt like that had to be even or at least semi even um and that we would do everything we could to help him. But we really also felt like we didn't want him to go into debt. And in his mind for a long time, that was not okay. Um, and we had to have several over years uh, conversations of not only what was college going to look like, but how how could he help us? And he it ended up being great. And he graduated debt-free. Um, but that was the result of a lot of, I would say, prep work on our part because we started young by telling him. I think he was in about eighth grade when we broke him, broke the news to him that the 
that particular college that he was thinking at the time. We were like, um, unless you get like a 4.0 plus, there's no way we can afford to send you there. But you can go, but it's going to look kind of different than what you're thinking. That was probably yeah. the hardest because you're, it was embarrassing, you know, not, I don't know. I don't know that it was so much embarrassing. It was kind of embarrassing because like we don't, we don't have a gazillion dollars. It would be nice, but. And he was super ornery about it at first. That was really hard. He just did not want to hear that. I think um, I think that's probably why a lot of parents don't have these conversations because they are embarrassed. Yeah. And they keep thinking, well, maybe I'll figure out a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there are ways. And so they ways. keep putting it off. Not, and he could have, yeah, and you put it off. And then, but you're not doing you're you're not doing your kid any favors because then all of a sudden right they get accepted there and you have to say well you're gonna have this is how much loan you know money you're gonna have to borrow and then that's on you I mean I guess some parents would borrow it for them but there we had told our we were like we can't you know we've got to protect our the, the little retirement that we have and we're trying to grow that because we were older when we had our kids. That was another, you know, I was like, well, why don't you have the money? You know, I mean, he was very much opposed to the fact that this was not going to work out how he thought. But by being persistent and having conversations, many numerous horrible times at, at different times, it ended up being really great. And he made a really good decision and, He's working. He's got a great job now and no debt. So you can do this, parents. It's, it is not fun. I'm not saying that it is, but it's worth it because you can become a team and work together and figure out how to make these things work. Yeah. And they know you're on their side. Yes. He, they might not think so at first when you have those conversations. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we're not sending don't. you to that college. Yeah. Right. But, but has he given you feedback re- in recent years about, about those conversations that you guys used to have? Actually, yes. Both of our older boys are out. And um, our younger son is going to finish up his associates in the fall. But he's been living away for a couple of years. And they have both a number of times said, thank you for talking to us. Because a lot of their friends, girls and guys, but especially the guys, don't talk to their parents. And they find that very sad. And... You know, they'll say, oh, I talked to my dad about whatever uh, Sam or Will will say that up to their friends and they'll go, I can't believe you could talk to your dad about that. And I, I mean, it's anything. And I was like, but you didn't like it at the time. And they both have said no, but they were so glad that we persisted and continued those conversations. They're like, we feel so close to you now. They've said that to us. I mean, Mother's Day was was awesome. And I know my mother's days aren't always going to be awesome because they're going to move away. I'm sure of it. I just have to face that. But for now they're around and they wanted to be here and I didn't, you know, really even have to ask, but I know they're, that's not the case. in a lot of times, um, so persist with no matter what the conversations are, no matter how uncomfortable they are or hard to have you know break them down tiny bites and just keep at it because your kids will come back to you eventually hopefully and just say and it may take a while to get there I've got friends that did this too and 
and their kids, it wasn't as, you know, and I still have one that he may end up leaving and not liking us for a while, but you have to try, you have to talk to them because I, I, I wouldn't want to blame it on anything else. At least I can say I was doing my best. I was trying really hard. I was trying to talk to them and they have, they have both thanked us more than once. Yeah. Cause if we don't talk to them, who are they going to ask? They'll, they'll ask their broke friends who don't yeah. know anything or about Google, money. You know, yeah. there's so many places that they could get horrible information and misinformation and yeah. So, and that's not to say that even my kids haven't found out information, bad places, but at least we were sort of there in the mix to say, well, now, wait a minute, where did you hear that? Or who told you that? Or, um, and they have made a ton of mistakes. Believe me, uh, I, the list is long, um, but we were there it's to life. pick up the pieces and yeah, it's life they learned. And that's the thing too. I think parents get really mad and I, I look back and think of the things my sisters and I did growing up and we made mistake after mistake, but you know, our parents were just there. They're like, okay, well, you're in trouble. Let's deal with this and move on. And you, you just don't, you can't hold those hard feelings. I think that's, a, you know, you just, you got to try to let go and keep moving forward. Right. It's all, it's all, we're all learning together. Yeah. The parents are learning. The kids are learning. Yeah. I'm still learning with my 24 year old. I mean, he's a totally different person now. Like I'm like, okay, I need somebody to tell me how to parent my adult child. You know, <laughs> you're always going to be learning stuff. Like what's the best way to deal with this? And so always, Oh, that's the thing. Find mentors, find someone that's a couple steps ahead of you with, you know, the same kind of, you know, kid that's like, if you have a football player, then find that mom. Or if you have a kid that is, you know, a super studious nerd, find a mom that's got that and pick their brain and, and have coffee and just say, well, what did, what did you do when this happened? And I have always had two or three uh, mentors ahead of me. They didn't know they were, but I was just like, well, how did you deal with this? And I think that has helped so much because I, I you don't feel alone because you can feel yeah. really alone when you're parenting yeah. a teen, even if you have a spouse. Um, it's hard. Yeah. I think that's something like in the old generations past, you know, they would get together and talk. Mm -hmm. We just have this superficial thing on Facebook where we only see your perfect self. Right. <laughs> so we don't want to tell you what, what stuff we're going through. Right. Uh, yeah. And yeah. nobody's life is perfect. It may look like it, but you just, you got to do the best you can and just know that that's pretty much what everybody else is doing. They may not admit it, but yeah, you know, hang in there. I Those feel te you. Teenagers are really fun. I, I mean, I love them. I'm a weirdo though. So um, yeah, I've really, I've really enjoyed, especially this last year with the kids at home. Yeah, Like it's been cool watching them grow into people. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> that mm -hmm. sounds weird, but they're becoming you know, tiny adults, well, like, right. I feel like our kids that are going through this COVID stuff right now have learned so much and hopefully are seeing like that they can solve problems on their own. Like they've had to learn, you know, online and 
if they had technical difficulties, like what did they do? How are they going to deal with that? And they're going to be so much more ready to go to college. And, you know, maybe not all of the kids have dealt with it well, but I know my son struggled at first. He flunked a class, you know, last fall. I was like, are you kidding me? But he learned so much from that. Um, He kind of came back and thought, okay, Isaac, if you really think you want to go to college, which he thinks he does, like that, that can't happen again. So what can we do? And so we put some things in place and he's really, he has worked so hard to try to make up for that failure. Um, It was hard to go through though. I'm telling you, I was, we were so mad. I cried, you know, but I also feel like that was a life lesson and he, I don't think he'll ever fail another class. I mean, he might not do well, but I don't think he'll ever fail again because he just kind of quit and he learned like that didn't feel very good. And it, he got in a lot of trouble. I think a lot of kids were feeling that. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I do think parents need to be assured that all of the kids have struggled. And I think that, going forward admissions is going to look different. I don't, I can't promise that, but I do think some of these kids can use the lessons that they've learned in essays that are going to help them get past the fact that the, maybe their GPA isn't perfect. And um, they, they was, they've certainly had some life experience that none of us have ever had until now as grownups. Right. Yeah. So it's been a weird it's great. time. Good stuff. <laughs> Anything else you want to add? Gosh, I don't know. I feel like we're best friends now. Um, <laughs> we hey, we, uh, can can we talk about the summit coming up? You want to yeah. talk about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my friend and I, I have a friend, Laura Dennis, who um, is a blogger for Empty Nesters. She does have a couple teams. Well, I think just down to one team now. Um, but she and I joined forces and we had a summit in January. We're going to have another one in July for back to school for parents of teenagers and empty nesters with so many cool speakers. And Rachel's going to speak. Yeah. I'm excited. So where can people find out about the summit? Um, there is a website, uh, www.nextphaseparenting. And it's just like it sounds, uh, N E X T P H A S E parenting.com. And if you go there now, it's just, you would just be putting up, put on a waiting list, but as soon as it all sort of comes together, we'll start sending emails, um, to sort of let people know who the speakers are and what the topics will be. It, it's all free. I mean, you can purchase like an all access pass, um, with resources from a lot of our speakers, which is it, the one we had in January was amazing. Um, and I know that this one coming up will be too. Laura's sort of in charge of putting that all together. So I haven't seen this stuff, but like one of the things that I'll be putting in there is access to um, my course for um, some people that'll be a door prize. And I have a ebook with um, 150 resources for parents of teens. That'll be in the all access pass. So Lots of good stuff. I mean, we lots of our speakers have amazing things. So I'm really excited that you're going to join us. Yeah, it'll be fun. Last it week is. of July. Last week of July, the 26th, 7th, yeah, 26th through the 29th. Um, all right. Yeah, it's all online. It's all free. And it's going to be super, super fun. 
lots of good stuff. So where can people find you? I am at www.parentinghighschoolers.com. I have a YouTube channel. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. Um, mostly I'm on Facebook and, um, and I try to post two new blog posts a month and I'm on different podcasts and I would love for people to follow my YouTube channel and I send a weekly newsletter. So like full of challenges for parents to try to connect with your team for the week and a new scholarship each week with, you know, different requirements. So it might be for a sophomore this week. It might be for seniors the next and just helpful links. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll put those I, in the show notes. You can also see great. Melanie in our in our Facebook community. She she's around there sometimes posting stuff. Yeah, um, absolutely. And you can also find her book on Amazon, College Bound. Yes, uh, it goes into more more depth about how you can have these conversations with your teens and what topics you might want to cover um, to help you kind of jog your brain, think about things that you want to you want to share with your teen. They don't even have to be going to college. Just no, come up with a plan. Right. It's the plan to get your kid out of the house. Um, whether right. they're going to college or not in the, the <laughs> yeah. And the conversations that I give are just a starting point. I mean, 14 is, you know, a drop in the bucket. It's just kind of the ones I felt like would be good ones to start with. Right. Yeah. It could be whatever you want to whatever you want the conversation to be with your team. Absolutely. Um, and and just please talk, miracle. talk, talk, talk to your team. Um, Cause you'd be surprised how much they really do want to talk to you. They're just not going to act like it, you know, and you have to kind of live with that too. It's, um, it's not like they're little toddlers and they mommy, mommy, you know, I love you so much. It's, you know, you're lucky to get an occasional like this, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah bruh. <laughs> yeah. So I eat, I'm like, that is not a word. So um, anyway, uh, but they are fun. So talk to your teens, please. They really, really, really want you to. They're just not going to act like it. Sadly. Right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Melanie. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, parents, if you like our content, please join us over in our free Facebook group. You can find it by searching for Raising Confident Teens Community. We would love to see you there. Thanks for listening and have a great week.